The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about conflict healing in the courts, and we have a wonderful judge with us. Someone who I knew many years ago and, and ran into him again recently, and we he told me about some of the great things that he is doing. And then I was there when he got this fabulous award, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So I'm so pleased to tell my audience about the Honorable Lon Hurwitz, who was elected to the bench in June 2010. And before his term of office was to begin in January 2011, he was appointed to the bench by Governor Schwarzenegger. And from 2004 until his appointment, he served as a family law commissioner. And commissioners really serve as judges, do the same thing that judges do, but they're attorneys that are sitting as judges. And he did that for Orange County, handling paternity, child support, family law, domestic violence cases, and all sorts of things like that. Judge Hurwitz is currently assigned to a family law trial court where he hears all sorts of family law cases, and he is one of four judges in the county assigned to also hear elder and dependent adult abuse cases, which is a growing area. In 2009, Lon st started the very first Veterans Family Law Domestic Violence Diversion Program in the United States, and this is part of a, a healing of those families. He's going to talk to us about that. In January of this year, he received the Distinguished Jurist Award from the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. And he also received the Judge of the Year Award from the Orange County Bar Association Family Law Division. And I was there when he received it, and it was just really, everybody just loves him, stood up, grand ovation, just really wonderful. From 2008 until 2010, he served as a member of the State Judicial Council and was the Judicial Council liaison to the State Domestic Violence Task Force, both by appointment from Chief Justice Ron George. He is currently a contributor and a contributing editor for the Judicial Council publication entitled Elder Abuse Pocket Reference, and this is a guide for judges who handle elder ab abuse cases. So before I, I could talk about him for a lot longer, but I want to get into talking with him so you can hear all about him. Your Honor, I am so thrilled that you are joining us this morning. Thank you so much, Mari, and thank you for the opportunity uh, to talk with you today. It, it really is a thrill for me. Well, now you've been a judge uh, of judicial uh, 
now you've been a family law judicial officer for seven years. That's hard to believe, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Three of which you've spent in family law domestic violence court. So that that's a real tough place to be. Why don't you talk to us more about that assignment? Uh, yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, it is a tough assignment, but it is uh, a rewarding assignment because, as you well know, when you're dealing with families in crisis, uh, these are folks that are at a point in their lives when they really need help and guidance, and, and you really have to act not only uh, with, a, with a view towards protecting uh, the litigants involved, but also with a, with a view towards the best interests of the children that may be involved in these kinds of cases. Uh, in Orange County, uh, we are fortunate in that we have a dedicated family law domestic violence court that hears nothing but domestic violence cases. And that gives us the ability to follow these families for an extended period of time and and engage with them in the healing process through the, the whole domestic violence uh, set of issues uh, that arise from that. So we're not only dealing with the issues of, of power and control or anger, we're also dealing with the issues of implementing visitation plans uh, that help families come back together, uh, dealing with issues of substance abuse sometimes, in many of these cases, in fact, uh, and dealing with the issues, um, as you mentioned earlier, of returning veterans and some of the post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury issues that they have to deal with. So how do you do that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know it's a tough place to be. So tell us a little bit about how you did it and, and how that led you to the program that you've developed. Well, what, what we have in, in domestic violence uh, under our set of laws, when a judicial officer hears a case, and if that judicial officer determines that domestic violence has occurred, what, what I refer to as pulling the trigger in terms of making that kind of a decision, uh, a lot of very serious uh, things happen. Uh, number one, the, the uh, person who is determined to have committed the domestic violence will be in what's called the California Law Enforcement Telecommunications Criminal Tracking System for up to 10 years and, and for at least the period of the restraining orders, which could be three to five years. Uh, whenever a potential employer uh, receives an application from uh, this person, that employer will run a criminal history search. And even though in family law domestic violence we're not dealing on a criminal model, uh, the criminal history search will reveal to the potential employer that there has been a finding of domestic violence, and this person may have difficulty getting that job. Absolutely. Effectively, effectively, they will be prohibited from ever becoming a doctor, a lawyer, a firefighter, a police officer, an airline pilot, a security guard, a bus driver, and a whole host of other occupations where a finding of domestic violence really uh, takes them out of the mix in terms of being considered for that position. So, so as you can see, uh, there is a problem here for a returning service member from a combat zone uh, in terms of a transition to a logical next occupation, because many of our service members come back and want to go into uh, firefighting, uh, law enforcement, uh, uh, legal profession, medical profession. So the domestic violence finding becomes a real problem for them. Additionally, there, there is a presumption uh, under our family code section 3044 that the, the person who is found to have committed the domestic violence not have custody of their children. Uh, and that's very serious ramification, obviously. So with all of these, these things in play, uh, we began to see back in 2008, 2009, that our returning service members who had post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury issues uh, 
were becoming involved in domestic violence cases because the the dynamic was that the service member may have had three or four tours uh, in Iraq or Afghanistan, and their significant other may have been left to uh, deal with the family issues, the children, the home life, and then the service member returns home. The uh, significant other has been left in charge, and of course the service member is, is trained to be in charge, and now we have this conflict. Right. Uh, and, and the significant other, of course, has received no counseling in terms of what to expect when the service member comes back with, with P, what we call PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, mm. or traumatic brain injury. So now we have this blow-up in there in our courts uh, on this domestic violence uh, request for restraining orders, and as I say, we have all these ramifications. So before the service member can even uh, come home and get his or her life back in order uh, and start to return to a level of normalcy, we have this huge impediment, potentially, uh, to their ability to to work, uh, to support children, to support a family. So um, what we did was uh, approach the Veterans Administration, specifically the VA in Long Beach, to see if we might be able to talk about a specialized program that would allow us to issue temporary restraining orders for a year to continue to protect the family uh, because of the post-traumatic stress disorder or traumatic brain injury problems, and yet still uh, make it a temporary order so that uh, the judge is not pulling that trigger and making that domestic violence finding. And the VA was very, very receptive to this, uh, and in fact, uh, uh, ended up getting permission uh, and approval from Washington, D.C. Uh, for us to start the first of these programs in the country. Uh, and the way our program works is, as I mentioned, there is a, a, an agreement between the parties uh, that the temporary restraining orders would be extended for a year. The service member agrees uh, to meet with uh, the Veterans Liaison for our Orange County Health Services Agency, who then determines uh, what services the uh, service member is eligible for and either gets the service member to the VA or the vet center or the, the uh, different programs for treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury after a proper assessment, and is combines that with our batter's intervention program approved by our probation department or our anger management program and any programs regarding substance abuse overlay. So this way, the the service member can go to one place to receive all of the treatment that's necessary to deal with these issues. We hold uh, periodic review hearings every 90 days. We get progress reports to see how the service member is doing, uh, if the service member is improving and, and doing everything that the therapists uh, and the counselors are asking the service member to do. We begin the process of extending and integrating the service member back into the family and visitation with the children, whether it be monitored, whether it be unmonitored, so that eventually, with the target of one year, at the end of that one year, if the service member has successfully completed the program uh, and the, the victim is comfortable, uh, the restraining orders are dropped with the court having never made a finding of domestic violence mm. with the understanding that if there ever is another problem, the significant other can come back in and ask for those orders again. There's never a prohibition on that because of the, of the need uh, under our Domestic Violence Prevention Act that a victim continue to be safe and feel safe. 
So that's the the uh, quick overview of our program, and and we're we're very very pleased with uh, how it's been proceeding, uh, and we're hopeful that we're going to be able to uh, to help a lot of service families uh, with the returning veterans, uh, roughly sixty to eighty thousand over the next eighteen months from Afghanistan and Iraq. And how does it work in terms of this? Is it like a stipulation, or is it an order? Like you get the the spouse who's been left behind, you get that he or she to agree to this? Is it like a stipulation or is it something that you give an order, but you get um, a permission from the victim to do this? How does no, that work? No, it, it is completely a stipulation. Okay. Uh, and, and the way it, it works is, and, and I have yet to have uh, any uh, victim say no to this. And, and, um, we make the offer to them after, after explaining uh, to the victim uh, this is what's going to happen if I make a call on this, if I determine whether or not there has been domestic violence. And we explain what happens if I determine there has been and all the ramifications I just mentioned. And likewise, we indicate, well, this is what happens if I find there is insufficient evidence to determine that there was domestic violence. You, you will have no orders at all. Uh, and all of the families involved uh, have agreed to this because when we extend that temporary restraining order for a year, they are getting precisely the same protection they would get as if I had made that domestic violence finding. But there's a chance that there is going to be some reconciliation, some healing. Exactly. Some, some, that's just wonderful. So, Do you have any statistics about how many people really um, are able to be healed from this or at least rehabilitated? Do you- we are. We've the program has been in effect now for about a year, so we're just getting to the tail end of our first year uh, of a, of the program itself. And as I say, it, it is a it has a one year time parameter. So we're just starting to get those statistics in, and and uh, we're very pleased with what we're seeing. We've had um, several uh, uh, reconciliations. Uh, we've had so far. We have not had to extend beyond that year. Uh, because even though the the one year is a is a uh, is a guide or is a goal, uh, if necessary, we can uh, of course they can come in at the end of the year and say, well, your honor, you know he's made progress or she's made progress, but not quite as much as I would like to see, and I would be a lot more comfortable if we extended this another ninety days or another six months. We haven't had to do that yet, so uh, I'm pleased with with where we're going. But in 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 total candor. We don't have a lot of uh, these cases yet. We've got a couple of dozen. Uh, I believe that once the, the, the bulk of our troops are brought back uh, and we see in Orange County those troops that are returned to Camp Pendleton and to the Los Alamitos Reserve Station, we're going we're to start seeing a lot more of these cases more than likely. Exactly. So what about the funding? How, how does that work? Is it all through the VA or, or how does that work? Well, um, the yes, it's it's it is and it isn't because the VA uh, only has uh, services available uh, to certain types of discharged veterans, and the vet center is available to to other types of discharged veterans. So that's why we use our veterans liaison through the Orange County Health Services Agency as a case manager, uh, and in fact, representatives of the Orange County Health Services Agency are in our courtroom on the day that we have the initial hearing when the veteran is there so that the veteran can meet directly with that liaison and the liaison can explain what he can do uh, for the service member right then and there. 
Wow, what a terrific program. So are there any uh, real challenges that you have? I mean, it sounds like it's really positive. What are the challenges? Well, um, the challenges are uh, obviously the the uh, issues of post-traumatic stress disorder themselves yeah. uh, be, because they, they vary in degree. It, it, from what we're seeing, uh, it, can be, it can be a minimal effect of PTSD or it can be a major effect of PTSD. And, and depending upon the level of PTSD, uh, we we have challenges in terms of of visitation with the kids, for instance. Uh, yeah. Do we have to have it monitored? Um, and the the veteran, of course, uh, the service member, is used to identifying specific goals and doing certain things to achieve that objective or that goal. And in this endeavor, it isn't a black and white sort of a. A sort of a task. It's 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 very gray because we don't know how the veteran is going to react to the counseling and to the therapy that they're going to be receiving. So many times I'll I'll, I'll get the veteran uh, in the first hearing, and the veteran will say to me, "Well, Your Honor, if I do this, 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 and this, when can I see my children?" Right, right. And and you know I I don't have an answer for for him or her because I don't know how they're going to do in their therapy or their counseling sessions. So that's that's a, a big challenge for me, and that's uh, that I have concerns about that. Um, and it's got to break your heart because if they've been away and they deployed for a couple years and they're dying to see their kids and their kids are growing up, you know, I mean, it's it's very heartbreaking. It, it is indeed very heartbreaking, and and the best I can do for them is to say, look, you know, what what has to happen uh, is that your children have to want to see you, and they can't be afraid. To see you, right. okay, and the way we're going to get there is for you to help us by by going into this program, by working with our veterans liaison, by listening to what your counselors and your and your therapists have to say, by doing everything that that they're suggesting that you do, uh, and 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 creating a situation where we have uh, children who want to be with their dad or with their mom as opposed to me ordering them to be with their right. dad or their mom. Right. Because that can just polarize the situation, as you well know, Mari. Exactly. We are speaking today with Judge Lon Hurwitz, who started the very first Veterans Family Law Domestic Violence Diversion Program in the whole United States, and we're talking about this program. And this is really, you know, this is another way of, of doing restorative justice. That's really what we're doing and and that is talking about healing families and healing situations where people can go on and be productive in their lives. So can you tell us a couple of success stories without naming any names? Yes, sure. Um, I have, um, well, let me see. I'll, I'll take a couple of examples. Uh, we, I had a veteran uh, who returned uh, after seven tours oh. uh, in Afghanistan, which, which I was just uh, flabbergasted, oh. uh, uh, that many tours. Oh. Uh, a Marine, um, and we had a domestic violence issue, uh, and it involved, unfortunately, some, sometimes it involves a physical violence, sometimes it does not. This particular case, uh, it did involve uh, some physical violence, uh, but um, I should mention, in all of these cases, uh, we have what's called a domestic violence assistance office that does the initial intake from the victim, and there is a there is a form that they fill out, in which they are asked specific questions about whether the alleged uh, perpetrator uh, is a veteran, 
Uh, has he or she been deployed? How many times? Where did they go? And also ask, was there ever a history of uh, domestic violence or abuse before they were deployed? Right. And if the answer is no, then these folks are going to be eligible for our program. If the answer is yes, they may not be eligible for our program mm. because, because now we have a situation where there may have been a domestic violence issue unrelated to the military history. Right. But in this particular case, there had been no prior history of anything like this. So uh, this particular veteran uh, had some, some, I would say, rather moderate PTSD issues as a result of these seven deployments. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, fortunately, um, after explaining everything, uh, his significant other uh, agreed. She, she said, look, you know, I, I want him the way he was before he left. Of course, and again, it's going to break your heart to, to, to listen to this, but you want to do something for these folks. And so she was agreeable. Uh, we issued the order for the, for the one year. It was our veterans liaison who was in the courtroom that day, met with, with our Marine that day, uh, and got him to uh, services immediately. I, I scheduled in that particular case, because I was concerned, I scheduled a review hearing instead of 90 days and six weeks. Uh, and I told him, look, because of the nature of, of what she says happened here, I have to, I have to be certain that you're going to be in our program and that, and that we're going to get things uh, in line here before I can let you see your children. And, of course, he was heartbroken. Yes. Uh, and, and, quite frankly, so was I. But my first duty uh, as a judge above and beyond everything else is to protect children. Absolutely. That, that's mm-hmm. the first duty. So, so for those six weeks, he didn't have an opportunity to see his kids. I, I allowed telephonic contact with the kids on a limited basis. Uh, and he came back in six weeks. He was in the program. He was on board. Uh, he was very much uh, wanted to do everything we wanted him to do. Uh, I saw him again 90 days later and 90 days after that, and I got progress reports each time that showed marked improvement every time that I saw him. Uh, and I'm happy to say that family is reunited now. Uh, and I, you know, I keep my fingers crossed every day that I, that I hopefully will, will never again uh, see the family. I mean, that, that, it sounds harsh, but the best thing that can happen is they not see me again. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that they're happy and that you really helped heal that family. Well, I, I mean, they, he, they healed themselves, okay? We but you just, gave them the opportunity. We just didn't put up impediments that would prevent them from doing that. Right, right. Anything else? Any other success story you could share? Uh, well, we, we've got some in progress. We've got, we've got some vets that are, that are in the midst of their programs who have already come in and said, thank you, Your Honor, for, for uh, you know, letting us do this. I'm learning a lot. I know I've got a long way to go, but, you know, thank you. And, you know, of course, when you hear that, it, <laughs> yeah. it makes up for the, for the stories that unfortunately don't work. Um, but most of the veterans that we have, uh, I'm pleased to say, they are, are pretty much on board with what we would like them to do. Uh, and that's the one great part about this program is that, is that you really have folks that are invested in the process and want this to work. Uh, I can't say that about the general uh, domestic violence family law population because, mm-hmm. you know, many times we have folks that are very resistant uh, uh, to, to working with us in terms of uh, batter's treatment programs or anger management programs because they don't realize in many cases that they have a problem. The veterans that we have dealt with 
uh, are very, very pragmatic and very much understand, uh, you know, this is an issue, we're going to deal with this issue, and we're going to move on. Right, especially if they never did something like that before and they come back and they're just like a, a fish out of water. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't know where they are. Yeah. Wow. So what is the little spiel that you give them when they come in? <laughs> uh, well, I, I first of all, it's important that uh, I give both sides an opportunity to be heard um, before I say anything uh, because um, this is their court. So uh, I will first ask uh, whoever's requesting the restraining orders, uh, ma'am, sometimes sir, but usually it's ma'am, uh, are you still requesting restraining orders today? Yes, Your Honor, I am. And I will ask the alleged perpetrator, um, sir, uh, are you prepared to go forward today? Yes, Your Honor, I am. Uh, and I will then uh, ask her, uh, is everything in your declaration true and accurate? Yes, Your Honor, it is. Anything you want to add to that, ma'am? And then give them an opportunity to tell me, you know, everything that's gone on so that we have an understanding of what the dynamic is with this family and give him an opportunity to respond. And then I'll ask if either side wants to present any other evidence. Uh, and if they do, usually they don't, but if they do, uh, I will listen to that evidence. Uh, and I'll then say, uh, look, folks, I can do this one of two ways, okay? If I find that there was domestic violence, here's what's going to happen. If I find there was no domestic violence, there's going to be no orders at all. Now, uh, in this particular case, we have a veteran uh, who was deployed, you know, X number of times, served in, in these uh, uh, theaters of operations, and we have a Veterans Domestic Violence Diversion Program. And here's how that works, and then I'll explain the process. And then I will say, with that understanding, ma'am, would you like to extend the temporary restraining orders that you currently have for a year and give our veterans liaison an opportunity to get him to some folks that can diagnose and can assess and perhaps get, into, get him to some treatment so that perhaps um, we can deal with the PTSD issues, we can deal with the domestic violence issues, we can deal with the substance abuse issues, uh, and, and revisit this every 90 days to see how he's doing. And then at the end of the year, uh, if you're comfortable, uh, we drop these restraining orders with an understanding that you can always come back at any time and ask for them again. And at that point, I'll look for a yes or no or questions if, if either side has them, uh, and, and we'll go forward. Now, does anyone ever say no? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Hey, that spiel works. It's, it's, <laughs> that is really pretty convincing. Uh, well, I don't know if it's convincing, well, but it... it well, it, it, it's positive. It, it, I mean, yeah. there's, there's a, what's the downside? Because the the bottom line is, is if if it's not working, you know, you you always have the the opportunity and you have the the power to say, okay, this is domestic violence. That's it. That's exactly correct. And and in fact, under our our state domestic violence prevention act, if a victim insists that I make a decision one way or the other as to whether or not domestic violence occurred, I am required under the law to make that decision. So at any time, uh, she, and again, I keep using she, it could be he, but usually it's she, can always come in and say, Your Honor, I'd like you to make that finding today. Right. And that Thanks. hasn't happened because you are doing what we call restorative justice. And wow, that is just wonderful. Believe it or not, we are out of time, Your Honor. Do oh. you believe that? Was that fast or what? 
<laughs> that was very fast, yes. You know what, Lon, we're going to have to have you back because now you're just about a year and we're going to have to have you back and see what happens next year and see how you could maybe even expand this. It's it's wonderful. Uh, thank you so much. And so thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you and your audience today. It's been oh, a great pleasure. Yeah, and we have a lot of, of, you know, a lot of veterans that are in our county that are coming back. So this is a very important program. And now you can just spread it all over the country. It's great. Oh, hopefully, yes. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much. We will be talking to you again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 right here on KUCI and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.